earthquake me issue Josh Helmer before we get to an exciting day of the Ref Sports Radio Network's coverage of Game Week. I have good morning, by the way. Did you have a good Monday night? Good night. I had a good Monday night and uh, a very happy good morning to you. How was it? I slept. Oh, it was a great Monday night. Not going to lie. I got home from the show. Uh, well, we did Coach's Corner. After Coach's Corner, Toby and I did the podcast. <laughs> After the podcast, I picked up my girls. After I picked up my girls, I was out. I was done. And it's then don't be a smart Alex. Like, oh yeah, you finally had to do some work after the show. No, no, no. It's um, you know, your boy doesn't have the endurance that he did back in the day. And so whenever they're like, come on, we're gonna go out after the reunion. I'm, I'm still paying for that on Saturday night. And then the the Sunday into Monday, whenever I have my Sunday night show that goes into the the morning men, morning men on Mad Dog Radio, that's kind of tough on these forty eight year old bones. That's a tough uh, yeah, and quick then turnaround. To bring that same juice 9 to noon and then do TV, yeah, I was done. So I took a nap. I don't know. Do you consider two hours a nap or is that literally sleep? <laughs> I don't know if it, if it two hours is a nap. I think it's like, so I slept for two hours. As soon as I got him home, we did, a, we did the dinner and, and I, watched, I watched the college football live show and I listened to – Lebs and Coach Roof. And then I did something I don't normally get to do because we didn't have a lot of family events last night and my wife had taken my daughter to cheerleading. I watched Brent Venable's the Sooner Sports Talk Show live. I don't get to do that very often. Nice. So I had a very football-y day, which is going to lead to a very football-y show here on The Ref. But... I have a confession to make that's been a nice addition to the plank kind of, I don't necessarily say fashion, but my organization. I've been carrying around a Merce in 2023. It's been nice. Very organized. So what happens when you have daughters, too? I'm just going to defend myself on that front because inevitably it's, Dad, can you hold this? Dad, put this in here. Here, can you take that? So I've just – and it's worked for me because pens – Notebooks, you know, I, I, I carry out a, a lot of crap. And I'm constantly losing my wallet and my keys. So I'm like, throw it in there. We're good. In the last week, I've lost that. Oh, no. I, le- I left that, the Merce, at, at a restaurant. And then today, we're in the little pouch. The fob is to get in the building. It's nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. Wow. I don't know what happened. So it, it's not connected to your keys? I don't. I only have a fob, so I don't like have keys anywhere. I see. Yeah, I, I should, but if I did that, the only keys I have, I'm, I'm always giving to Drake because he needs to get in the – I mean, literally, the only keys I have are to the football stadium. If I got locked out of my house, I would just – I'd be stuck and be like, no, I'm just here – I'm going to sit in the garage now. I, I don't. I don't. I mean, every, everything is controlled by the women in my life. So, yeah. I, uh, so, basically, I'm telling you, because of the way my personality is, I'm like a hot – because I don't know where the fob is. It's a cool – I 
I'd be shook. Walking up to the door and it's like, who's getting in my who's getting in my bag and why are they stealing my fob? Which, by the way, you wouldn't need to steal a fob. I don't think it's automatic entrance anyway. But yeah, so I'm uh, I'm shook right now, and I haven't been in studio since what last Wednesday? Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah, Cavens, Riverwind on the weekend off for us, and then Monday we were at OU. That thing could be in another cotton by now <laughs> if it was a fugitive of justice. That's true. So bear with us getting through this first segment, which will end with me sprinting out to my car and doing like this thorough once over to see if I can find it. And then when I don't find it, Josh, it'll make for an even worse rest of this show. Brent Venables has his presser coming up today at 1130. Now, I want to give this disclaimer. For everybody that knows, we are not allowed to carry the press conference. And we'll, as soon as it wraps up, usually it doesn't get done during our show. It usually gets done during Steelman's program, but we can sprinkle in a few things that he says. If it's out on social media, then to me it's fair game. And I'll ask for forgiveness instead of permission. If it's already on Twitter, I mean, I, I don't really know how you can stop that. But, yeah, I am um, – I've got a lot of information. So you just tell me where you want to start. Because my vote is to start with what I learned from the – Coach's Corner taping because I have a page of notes right here in front of me. Let's start there. Okay. So here's my plan on the show today. Todd Bates, Bill Beanbow notes from yesterday. Now, this show doesn't air until Thursday, but one of the benefits of listening to the Plank Show is that you get instant reaction to it at 9 a.m. every Tuesday morning. One of the benefits. Number two. Number two. Um... I got so much Jeff Levy, so much Ted Roof from yesterday. And I don't I don't know if we learned anything new necessarily. In fact, I felt like Levy I think Levy got asked about the same guy twice, or maybe it was Roof got asked about the same guy twice. But it was a it was a, a very information-filled – let me rephrase that. It was a very confirmation of the information that we've basically had since the press uh, since the press day, media day. So Bean, Bow, and Roof. And then a few tidbits from what Brent Venables had to say last night during the Sooner Sports Talk from Rudy's. Again, not able to play that audio, but in the same vein, a lot of really good stuff that came out of last night. So – Roof and Levy, not a ton of information, but confirmation of some stuff. Nothing really new. Brent Venables later, but let's get to what we learned from Beanbow and Todd Bates. Okay. By the way, the first confirmation is Beanbow. I, again, I don't know how this started, but it is Bill Beanbow. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's not Beanbaw. It's not Beanbog. It's Bill Beanbow. I, I, sometimes people change their enunciations and pronunciations. And that's fine. And it is rejected. Travis Kels is a great example that we brought up yesterday. A um, couple of things. Starting lineup is is set, right? Guyton at right tackle. Toyer at right guard. Rame at center. Savion Bird at left guard. Walter Rouse at left tackle. And you might say, well, I mean, 
you saw McCain with Tar last year, and he didn't really wow and things of that nature. But I got to tell you something. It's um, it was real interesting what Coach said about why Rouse on the excuse me, uh, why Matora on the right side, and then Savion Bird on the left side. So you've because again, Matora had played a little bit of everywhere, right? So. I guess, question, Bill Beanbow, is it strategic in that? And Bill's like, absolutely. So you put a veteran guy on the right side with a less experienced guy at right tackle. Now, you might say, but Tyler Guyton played a lot last year. True, but I think the number was like 10 starts that he's had at right uh, period. It was just at double digits. So right Right tackle is a guy that still needs seasoning and time. Yeah, Josh, uh, let's see how close I was on that number. Starts. Now, games he's played in is different, but starts. So, five. Oh, it's less than 10. It's like seven, right? Oh, the stat page didn't pop up. Try it. Oh, son of a bee. Anyway. So, you've got an experienced guy, Mator, or Matire, right next to an inexperienced guy. In Guyton. Five starts, that's it. There you go. Five starts, that's it. And then on the other side, you have an inexperienced guy in Bird and an experienced, probably future pro, first-round pick in Rouse. So that way, you got two guys working in synced where the, the experience is on the inside and lack experience on the outside. And then on the other side, the experience is on the outside, and the lack is on the inside. And it's anchored by a veteran center, which I think is is really awesome in Andrew Rain. So that might be that might be kind of nerdy, really. That's what, but I, I don't know why that just fascinated me, Josh, and the strategy of that, because I hadn't even thought of it that way. Well, better that than complete inexperience on one side. Right, exactly. So we're just going to go ahead and put Guyton and Bird on the right side. Well, no, let's mix it up just a little bit. And Oklahoma runs left. <laughs> a lot. Um, let's see. They – I have a lot more here from Bates than I do Beanbow. But Beanbow did say that they had to rotate some guys around quite a bit. And – they feel good about their depth. But, and, and oh, we're constant theme from yesterday, from Levy to Ted Roof to the two guys we talked to to Brent Venables. I would have my program ready because it appears, Josh, that we're going to see a lot of players, a lot of players play on Saturday if things go as it looks like they're going to. Um, Rouse described as exactly what you wanted. Exactly what you wanted. And then the other thing, thinking about the future, the other thing that Bill Beanbow said that I can't wait to be able to play the clip of when the show drops, I think it's quite obvious that Oklahoma has had a problem getting a lot of the guys they expect to be really good I'm trying to choose my words in this to make sure I'm, I'm phrasing it right they've, they've had some recruits that haven't panned out on the offensive line is that fair to say 
you know, guys that that just either A, don't develop like they expected, or B, don't end up being that good. I mean, it's just that simple. I mean, on the offensive line, you've got, you know, three starters who are here out of the transfer portal, two from high school. And it took a lot of development for Rame to get in there. And time for Savion Bird, too, right? So, Coach talked about, hey, you know, I've got to be – and I am being smarter about it. it's It's everybody. You know, it's not just the starters or the guys that are going to play that week. It is everybody. And on Monday nights, on Monday nights, they have a special practice, a scrimmage between guys who didn't necessarily play in the game and might not necessarily be up on the depth chart, but dudes that need to get some action. And he said that's that's something that we're really committed to in in building even more with names like yeah, the younger guys, the Jacob La- uh, Jacob Lacey. I'm stuck on Jacob Lacey for some reason. Taylor, Jake Taylors of the world, um, the Joshua Bates of the world, the Caden Greens of the world. Sure. Hey, I think Caden Green's going to play too. Really? I think he's going to play. I, I now that Second was teamer. The way Coach made it sound is they had to move a few people, right? They had to move a few people around. And maybe Green didn't get the work at a certain position because he was having to shift around a little bit. So I, I think he's a second teamer. I do, and I think he's going to be whenever the depth chart comes out. Whenever that, that might that might be any minute. I haven't checked my phone yet. Um. Oh, hey, hold on, wait a minute. From the Brian, we are carrying the press conference live. Oh, let's go. Right at 11.30, no 11.30 break and no 11.45 break. Now, a heads up before the show might have been a little bit nice on that one, just uh, for future references. All right, well, ignore the disclaimer that I spent five minutes giving. 11.30, we'll have the Brent Venables press conference live. That's one of the benefits of 94.7, deciding to go in this scintillating direction that they've gone with their signal. What were we just talking about? Um, oh, second-string offense. Caden Green. Caden Green, right, thank you. <laughs> That's very cool. So, 11.30, we got BV right here on the ref. I love it. Well done, Bry man. Well done. As it should be. Um, okay, so if you were to ask me, now this was not from the mouth of Bill Beatembo. But if you were to ask me what I think that second team offensive line looks like, I, Jacob Sexton isn't ready yet. He's not ready yet. And I don't, you know, I can't fathom that he's going to be ready by the time that, you know, even the conference season rolls around. But they seem very, opt- I mean, very optimistic about his place in the rotation right they like Jacob Sexton a lot but Jake Taylor's been working a little bit of tackle in fact I think when coach was going back with Gabe it was hey I Gabe said I think he's that's his best position and I I think coach had had agreed for Jake Taylor which is a name that we've been waiting to see on the field a little bit I think Joshua Bates is still a little bit away you know you bring in a guy that's a true center I mean that's what he plays but there's some development that still has to happen there, so I wouldn't get, I wouldn't get too carried away with seeing him this year. Ever can play anywhere, 
So I, I think Troy Ev Everett would be wherever you need him in that backup of the of the offensive line. So the four or five that I would say would be backups. Taylor, who can play any position, and tackle might be his his best position. Jake Taylor, Caden Green, Sexton when healthy, Sexton when healthy, and we didn't talk about Caleb Schaefer. So I don't I don't really know Josh where he fits into this mix. It's just a name that I feel like we heard a lot when he transferred in that it's been quiet. That's just me. Um, you want to break and talk about what Todd Bates said? Let's. We got a lot on Todd Bates. A lot on what Coach Bates had to say. Notes upon notes upon notes. Yeah, and in fact, it's funny because I looked down at Beanbow and I was like, dang, I don't, I don't really have too terribly much here. Holy smokes, do we have a lot from Todd Bates. And we'll bring it to you next right here on The Ref. All right, so good news. Uh, Brent Venable's press conference coming up at 1130. We'll take you there live right after the top five stories of the day. Are we going to count on Drake to fill until BV gets there, or is that you and I's job? <laughs> Probably we can fill if need be. <laughs> it's all good. Um, all right, quick, quickly from Coach's Corner, which is why I had a bolt early yesterday. On Mondays, we tape Coach's Corner, which is the weekly conversation we have for the Sooner Radio Network and for ESPN Plus with two assistants. This week was Coach Bates and Coach Biedenboe. You'll hear the full conversations on Thursday and we'll be able to bring you uh, some of them right here on the program but what Todd Bates said about Isaiah Coe was one of the more eye-opening things that I had heard and it's it Brent Venables has used it in a roundabout way and it's kind of it's kind of cool because if you close your eyes Josh and you hear Todd Bates talk, I mean, it almost sounds like Brent Venables with some of the ways that he puts it, not in the the twang or not in the uh, speech pattern, but just in the words, right? It's like, wow, that's, that's, that's Coach V. And it's very motivational, very acronym-laden, you know, or, you know, very motivational. And very kind of philosophical because he was talking about Isaiah Coe. And he said Isaiah Coe now knows the why he was able to make a play and now knows the why of what we're asking him to do. In other words, he would just – he'd go do it. He'd go do it. He'd you – know, hey, this play call, and boom, he'd go do it. Well, now Isaiah Coe is becoming, I guess, the way I would call that, right, Josh, maybe a little bit more of a student of the game too, film study and like, hey – this is the why. This is this is us. Let's go. This is why you do it. This is the why behind everything that led to you in this moment. If it was a step here, if it was hand, hand talked a lot of hand placement, you know, and, and where your hands need to be and not letting the offensive line get too uh, the, the the old lineman get too far into your body. I'm I'm acting these out in my seat here, just so yes. you know. But yeah, that's that's one of the highest compliments I think you can pay someone to where they're having success and they're playing well, but it's just, you know, they do they do it now. All right, here's the why behind it. And I thought that was really good with, with Isaiah Coe. Now you're a vet. Mm-hmm. Now you're a chiseled vet. You've performed, produced before, and yet now you actually get what uh, is happening, what right. should be happening. So I, I take that to – believe that he might be in for, I don't know, his uh, career year? Yeah, it sure seemed like it. It sure seemed like it. Uh, 
the one thing he said about the new guys, which stayed with me too, not necessarily an individual where you're like, oh, how's, how's DeJon Terry look or how's so-and-so looking? It's more what he said about what they did when they first got here. And he said the first win for them was to win the locker room. And I thought that was really cool. From Bothroy to, you know, to Terry. Gosh, there's a, a handful of new guys that are in that uh, that D tackle room, Sears. right? Sears. I mentioned Terry, Sears, Jacob Lacey is in that mix too. So to hear, hey, they felt like they needed to come in and win this locker room. I thought that was really cool. And that's not an easy thing, right? That's not an easy thing. You come in and it's a new situation. And while there's been guys that have been around for a while, you've had success, but it's in a completely different place, a completely different staff, a completely different group of, of guys in that locker room. And now you've got to win that locker room. And, oh, by the way, you're trying to take my job. Win the locker room and do it in a way to where you realize that you all are going to eat. If uh, the video that made that made the rounds, hey, this defense will feed you, that Todd Bates was, was selling his, his D tackles. So that was on the individual side of things. And here, here was the other one, so let's do, a little, let's do a little homework on this, Josh. He said he likes to have six guys that he can rotate in and out on the interior of the defensive line. Six. So we know Jonah Laula. Jordan Kelly, Co. Isaiah Co. Grayson Halton. He seemed he seemed to like Grayson Halton. Good chance, yeah. But I don't know. Like the one thing we didn't really get, and I I think Coach Venables talked about it, but is Devon Sears going to factor into that? Will Dejon Terry factor into that? I say yes, and that gets you to six. Mm-hmm. But then I just keep. I keep waiting for – we're talking about this with Toby. You know, Kelvin Gilliam Jr. is only a redshirt sophomore. And he's right at three bills. He's at 299. And he kind of – I don't know. He kind of looks that part of a dude that could be a a game wrecker. But, again, looks are looks. And I haven't heard his name mentioned too terribly much either. But that would get you to to seven on the interior. Mix in Lacey when he's healthy. When when he gets back. And he's going to be out for a minute. They they expect him back to start the second month of the season or at least potentially to start the second month of the season. But, yeah, six guys. Six guys. It seemed about – last year they only rotated five at edge. Uh, I think think that rotation is probably this year at the edge going to be, what, maybe seven deep? Maybe seven. Bothroyd, Grimes, uh, Adeboare, Trace Ford. Ethan Downs, R. Mason Thomas, Marcus Stripling. Yeah, that's I mean, I mean that's eight, that's seven, eight guys right there. So that is sixteen dudes. You basically have four line changes that you're going to be able to if toss I could, out there. Yeah, and it, this isn't. Boy, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I was thinking about this whenever I was looking at all those numbers. Everyone would get so mad about Alex Grinch and the rotations and these guys need to play more. Now it's like, gosh, we got to get more guys out there playing. And it's just always, that's always funny to me. It's a happy medium always. But I also think that there is more good players now 
you know, I, when Kenneth Murray would come out of the game, he wasn't replaced with a guy who had, a, you know, a four or five stars next to his name. Hey, if Rondell Bothroyd's the best defensive end they've got on this roster, he can play 80% sure. of the snaps as far as I'm concerned. Right. You're he not, doesn't need to rotate and, a bunch. And we're not talking either, Josh, about, like, suddenly you just, you know, your snap count is cut in half because they want you to be fresher at the end of the year. No, that's not going to be the case. It's just you're going to get that blow here or there that you might need. So to know that number is around seven or eight at edge, if not bigger, heading into the first game, to hear that he wants six and he feels good about six, all right, let, let, let's see how this thing pans out. Let's see if it truly this competitive depth makes as much of a difference as it appears it's going to be when the season starts. Well, and obviously it's a war up there, up, up front in the trenches, and so mm-hmm. even to the, the edge of the perimeter, so – I say, you know, if you've got somebody that's just dominant and is head and shoulders better than everybody else at that position, play him 80%. But even with that, that's a position where you get worn down. You are constantly coming off the line and hitting somebody. And so, yeah, it's it's nice to have depth and somebody that can fill in and give you a, a breather here and there. That's what we learned when I bolted early yesterday. And we'll hear everything from them coming up on Thursday. So you, my summation, boy, we had one of our bu- uh, co-workers that didn't care about what the coaches or, or the – he cared about his summation of it, so he'd be really proud of me right now. <laughs> no coaches audio there. That's what I have to say about things. 405-651-3439. Radio. Can Nipplemeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439, or you can do it the old-fashioned way. You can pick up the phone and call us at 405 405- Three two nine nine thousand. When we come back, our first look at your text right here on the ref. It's been a wild day at the front door, man. Did you see that? Like door ringing nonstop. People showing up. Must be game week or something. Must it's game week, baby. What happened? No, I didn't see any of that. I was getting coffee. The doorbell rang like three times. I ain't answering it. Kidding me? That was uh, that was me last break with you. Yeah, I went out to try to find my fob, and I couldn't find it. Yo, I, did, may, I did come sprinting down the hallway. We may have a lost fob, and I don't know where it is. but it's We will find it. <laughs> it's either somewhere in my car or it's in Wood River, Illinois. I don't know. Uh, well, looky here. We mentioned this is the reaction segment, 405-329-9000. That's the Riverwind Casino jackpot line game week. Sean, good morning, Sean. How are you, man? Welcome to the program. Well, good morning, Chris, and I'm going I'm to react. Oh, let's react. Uh, well, for one, I would say if your quarterback's left-handed, doesn't that mean your right tackle has to be your best offensive lineman to protect his blind side? Usually, yeah. And, in fact, they had moved Anton Harrison over there at the beginning of last season when uh, Wanye Morris, I think, what, he didn't start the opener? And mm-hmm. I, I want to say they moved Harrison there at the start of last year to protect him. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just what I would assume. But yeah. My reaction is this. I don't care how you say the guy's name. I think he's a good coach. I think he's probably a better person. I don't think he's the best O-line coach in the country because that 18 line, which was that the Joe Moore line, and it struggled mightily as most teams do against Mm -hmm. Alabama. Right. But we're heavily dependent. And we've recruited well. 
but we're heavily dependent on grad or on transfer portal guys in the O line. Agreed. Or guys that we didn't get. The O line was horrible in the spring game, glaringly so. And at some point, the rubber's got to meet the road on this O line. I mean, don't look now, but seventeen eighteen was five six seasons ago. That's a full group of players that have come through. I mean, so. Are we are we going to be able to are we going to be able to ride this offensive line this year? I mean, what's when does when does the marketing meet the meet the product? This seems to be very much a prove it year on that front. Don't you kind of get that sense? I would think so. I mean, they were you know they they had their issues last. Now they had some injury, and I I get all that, and I mm-hmm. I do excuse all that, but at some point. This has got to be the group that we rely on because, I mean, you know, everybody knows the trenches are where you win the game. I mean, I just there there always seems to be a lot of hype on this unit, and at times I don't think they play poorly, and I think I don't know enough about it to know their technique and all that, but I don't think they play at the level that what we're sold is what we've got either. Is that a wrong assessment, or I, what, I do you, think, what do you? No, I think I get what you're talking about, Sean. Because to me, it sounds like at the core of it, you want to see more development on the offensive line. Is that fair? You want to see dudes that have come through the system, and where you know Coach Venable says, "Hey, we're going to be a program about development. We're going to uh, this is the, at the foundation of this are are guys that have been in the program for the most part. Offensive line is six, uh, success has been what." portal guys that have come in right and you don't feel right. good about at least with the amount of playing time some of the guys that came in as part of the recruiting classes it's just it hasn't met the height is that what you're saying well yes an o-line of all the positions i think you recruit well you could even put this over on d-line they seem to be a more local mm-hmm. recruiting base because for whatever reason i think they're kind of kids that like mom right, <laughs> and want to right? stay closer and Oklahoma, just because of our size, is not going to in, in state is not going to produce a ton of Division One linemen on either side of the ball. But at the same, but you you know you do dip down into Texas and all that, and and we've had to quote very. I think we've had the Jimmys and Joes. It's just been a, it's not been a strength that would of the team for a while that equates to the hype that its position coach and preseason is given every year. And I think this is a telling year. They've That's a group that's got to perform. We can talk about all we want about Gabriel, you know, overthrowing a guy or something. Well, are you overthrowing somebody because you can't stay in the pocket long enough to let the play play out? So, I mean, I think Gabriel takes a lot of unnecessary heat uh, for last season that is undeserved. To be honest with you, he was the most important player on the team, and that proved itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it's just an interesting deal. I think this is a big year for that O-line. I mean, you've you've got to be something the team can depend on and ride, in in my opinion. You know, and then I guess they did. I mean, they did against Florida State. They were – it was simple. Is this – well, I'll leave it at this. It was very simple against Florida State – because of the lack of depth and guys not playing, correct? Mm-hmm. And they and they played well in the run game. I, I think uh, Gabriel got sacked six times, 
but they played well in that run game. So is it too complex at times? Are we trying to do too much up front? I mean, what? I don't know. Appreciate the call, Sean. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. I just want to tell you guys, that has been consistent with Sean and his frustration with OU. Boy, he sounds like me talking about the Raiders, doesn't he? <laughs> My goodness. People are like, hey, we got Devontae Adams. Hi! I don't care. Doesn't matter. Go to? If, you, if you don't have a quarterback. The, uh, Travis is looking up the link to it, but there was the stat where Oklahoma's offensive line was number like top three in the country in yards before contact while rushing. Now, I'm, a, I'm one of those kind of nerds where it's, okay, what's the formula behind that? Oh, you ran a lot of, you know, kind of sweep-type plays with Eric Gray. But it's I, – I know the response on what needs to be better is everything needs to be better. But you had a first-round pick leave that offensive line, and we're coming away saying it's got to be better. <laughs> we had a guy that – where'd Wanye go? Third round? Uh, even though he wasn't I mean, he wasn't in the lineup for a spell early and they got hurt against TCU. But, yeah, I'm, I'm fully expecting it to be better. I am. And, you know, what does that look like? I don't know. I'm not – like Sean said, I'm not very smart when it comes to knowing if a guy's using proper technique. I count on Ted <laughs> to tell me. I'm, I don't know if they're – you know, we've joked about this a lot. You might see – Let's just use a guy that's going to play as an example. Savion Bird, absolutely destroy a guy, and you get fired up because it's a big hit. But he could be blocking the wrong guy. He could be, <laughs> he could not be in the right place. So I, I think offensive line is hard to evaluate for fans just because we base it on rushing yards and sacks. So I, And, again, that's a good way to gauge it. But I do agree with Sean on that front. You know, hey, we, we don't know. We don't know exactly what, what it looks like technique-wise and if that's an area that needs to continue to improve. I can tell you one thing Coach Bo told us. They feel really good about the commitment that's been made away from the building. And that's always been a big thing with him. Hey, I only get so much time with you. You have to be, you have to be engaged nonstop. And not just starters, all of you, every single one of you in this room. I would agree that Oklahoma needs to improve up front, but I would say this too. Understanding that it's Oklahoma and this should basically be your goal every season, I think from the fan base at times, Bill Biedenboe is almost a victim of the fact that they won that Joe Moore Award. It's like, well, why, why is this team not the Joe Moore Award winners again? Top five teams in yard before contact last year included two playoff teams. UCLA, TCU, Louisville. Oklahoma and Michigan. By the way, USC was number six, but we don't have to talk about And that. Georgia was uh, seven. Yeah, so it's – they're good – thanks, Trav. Ohio State 13th on that list. So, basically, uh, I mean, everybody that was in the playoff is top 13. Right. The Meyer Chevrolet text line is basically everyone telling me that Toby and TJ said that the ref would be carrying Coach's press conference today. Hey, did you hear? You guys are actually – no, you're going to be able to carry it. I was the last person to be told that <laughs> while I sat there and gave the disclaimer to say, hey, I'm sorry we can't. Meanwhile, I'm looking like an absolute fool. Uh, this is from Scary Gary, who writes, Off subject, Plank, any way you can talk to the big guys at the ref about carrying a Sooner softball score tracker on the app, ESPN, Bleacher Report, Score, none of them 
would ever tell me the OU softball scores last year. It's almost impossible to find them on Google as well. You know what's funny? I've told this story before, speaking of the explosion of popularity of softball. I'll ask Brian Man if they can do that. I'll ask Casey. I don't know if they can. But uh, you can text me and ask me the score anytime you want, dude. <laughs> How about that? You can have the super secret textoso line, and I will always send you the score. But there was – we used to have to put together a sheet. Carl Anderson and I did, and I carried it over to the next seat, couple of seasons, and then finally the rest of the country caught up to where we would just – Every big matchup, Joshua, every top 25 matchup, every Big 12 matchup, we would have like a two-page document where we would write in the scores however we could find them, and we'd deliver them to the coaches. So that way they'd have them all. Because even as recently, gosh, coaches, like 2018, 2019, just there wasn't a lot. There was one guy. I think it was like justinscores.com or something like that. And that was it. So you're right. It's good to – uh it's good to see it growing. And uh, now Justin scores as a millionaire. That's right. <laughs> and we just helped him out. All right, it's really good on the text line. Uh, let's get back to it when we come back. It's 9.50 on a Tuesday. We're coming to you live from the Buffalo Wild Wings studio. And Hour 1 is brought to you by the good folks at Van Hoos Fence. Mark and Tessa have you covered at 405-735-1167, bhfence.com. Do it, because Bob Stoops said so. More text next on the ref. There was uh, there was quite the pushback to Sean. You want to roll through some of these? Sure. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Best way to get in touch with the show uh, from the 405. Please get him off the radio. The O-line isn't the problem, and Coach B is a top-five offensive line coach in the country. Jason writes, the reason they haven't been as good is because they didn't have the right strength and conditioning coach. I oh, don't get Sean started on that. <laughs> don't get him started on that. Scott T. writes, pushback against this caller. How many O-line guys are in the NFL? He's doing something right to get the transfers and guys in the league. Zach from the 405, you have to be asinine. That's name-calling. Stop. You have to be, I'll use clueless. I don't want to get in trouble with, with my church. To not realize the fact they had to learn everything new, from gap scheme to zone ski. It's a zone scheme. It's a sh- chore. I don't know why I couldn't spit that out, but that's a fair point. 918. Number 10 in the rushing. Number 10 in rushing in the country last year. Averaging 219.4 yards a carry. Seems like good offensive line to me. Thoughts? <laughs> whenever I was a ki- uh, whenever I first started in radio, one of our general managers, little rail-thin, whiny dude, every single email he would send would finish with thoughts and like eight question marks. And sometimes he would just forward the email and put thoughts on it. You're like, thoughts? Hey, thoughts, yeah, I... I want to do that. <laughs> My thought is, eh, nope. Blank our offensive line and offense have been good enough over the last five years, writes the 405. Thoughts? It's been our defense that's been the downfall. I wish uh, I was Beanbo does what? I wish Beanbo put people, uh, Beanbo puts people in the NFL and develops talent. So regardless, they're five stars or three stars or four stars, he'll develop them and get them where they need to be. I'm not worried about that. Yeah, at the core, I'm not either. 
Well, I am and not either. I think all of it can be true that sure. It's not like Coach Biedenboe's doing a bad job. He's doing largely a really good job. And yet the standard for Oklahoma is national championships and Joe Moore award winning offensive lines. And so there is that next level to get back to for Oklahoma. And that starts obviously on the trail, but uh, by and large, they're getting good offensive line play. Yep. By and large, they are. By the way, I saw one text from yesterday on our prep sheet that I forgot to get to that I just laughed at. If Lincoln Rally becomes a Cowboys head coach, I will mail my star back to Jerry officially. Hey, listen, I know that the college football season truly gets underway Saturday for us, tomorrow, Thursday night. You get a full slate of games. I understand that the NFL is still, what, uh, nine days away from getting underway. But I think it's going to be wild coaching carousel this offseason. Wild. All right, we're going to hear from we're going to hear from Brent Venables next right here on the ref.